everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith. I'm here to bring you the post-game show following Bayern Munich's 1-0 revenge victory over SC Freiburg. This match, of course, was in the Bundesliga and not in the DFB Pokal, which Bayern was eliminated from by Freiburg earlier in the week. But both teams had a lot to play for. Freiburg was still is still contending for a Champions League spot. They were actually still within striking distance of the top of the Bundesliga table, while Bayern Munich has a very tenuous hold on the uh, top of the standings, we should say. So this one did mean a lot for both teams. Bayern Munich was able to come out with a 1-0 victory, but I'll say this, it was very unconvincing for a lot of reasons. Let's start the post-game show by hitting all of the relevant details. And in this match, there weren't necessarily a ton of those because there was not a lot of scoring action. Uh, the first half itself, really, you could see early on that SC Freiburg was going to keep that same discipline and compact style on defense and really try and force Bayern Munich to, to, to push play at them and eventually make a mistake. Bayern was a little more disciplined itself in this match, but its attack was choppy. There were a lot of lost possessions. There were a lot of players that, quite frankly, could not get comfortable in the match. Eventually, and when I say eventually, I mean this was a long time coming. We got to the second half. In the 51st minute, Jamal Musiala, who was playing a little bit of a deeper role in the match, found Matthijs De Ligt, who hit an absolute laser for a 1-0 lead. As I said, that was in the 51st minute, and Byron really, really needed that because for as many opportunities as it had during the match, they had no one, and I mean no one, that could finish. From that point in the match, it was really, it just continued to be sloppy from Byron Munich. When they did get opportunities, they routinely blew them. We saw Serge Gnabry blow a couple, Leroy Sané blow a couple, Ryan Gravenberg inexplicably blow one from point blank range. It, it was not a good showing uh, from the Bavarians in terms of the attack, how it looked, how it functioned, how it finished. Nothing about that was positive. Yes, did they create opportunities? Sure, and they should have against SC Freiburg. Eventually, they were able to start to wear Freiburg down and create some things, but they couldn't finish. And that has been one of those inexplicable things over the course of this season where the team just goes through these funks collectively where they can't score. It, it, it was frustrating to say the least. Over the course of the match, we did see a couple of substitutions uh, where we saw Leon Goretzka come in for Musiala in the 68th minute, Gravenberg for Thomas Muller in the 77th. We saw Josip Stanisic and Nusar Mizrahi both enter the match Later on, uh, having a deep substitute role for them. They did not get a lot of playing time, but they did get uh, just a little bit of run there from the 89th minute forward. Mizrahi came in for Sané. Stanisic came in for Cancelo. Um, and of course, at the end of the match, we had a near fight, which we will get into in a little bit. But I really do want to spend some time examining how Bayern Munich got to this point where it was a 1-0 victory and they had to rely on Matthijs de Ligt to save the day. Uh, Thomas Tuchel is really grasping at straws. He's trying to figure out what, what works and what doesn't. He's trying to figure out formations, personnel, positions. It's crazy the amount of stuff that he has to deal with right now. And yes, 
Admittedly, he took this gig knowing the challenge. I get that. But I still say the Bayern Munich board put him in a just an impossible position to have to deal with all this at this juncture of the season. Canning Julian Nagelsmann when they did, it, it, it was unfortunate. It was uncalled for at this point, and it was just silly in a lot of ways. Now, granted, maybe Tuchel rallies the troops. They upset Man City, and they're able to get a UCL and a Bundesliga title, and he gets two out of three. Not bad, right? A double wouldn't be so bad, but it's not looking great right now. So for this match, instead of using several of the players that he had been leaning on, Tuchel made some changes. Uh, he benched Leon Goretzka and Kingsley Coman. Of course, the team was already without Eric Maxim, Chupo Moting, and Dio Upamakano. If you listen to my weekend warm-up podcast that featured a preview show, it totally slipped my mind that Upamakano was suspended for the match. So uh, I had him in the starting lineup, but of course he was not. Instead, Tuchel went with a lineup that included Jan Sommer. He had Matthijs De Ligt and Benjamin Pavar at center backs. He had Alfonso Davies and Joao Cancelo as the outside backs. He had the midfield consisting of Joshua Kimmich and Jamal Musiala. He had Thomas Muller, Sadio Mane, Leroy Sané, and Serge Gnabry all fueling the attack. Uh, to me, this functioned more like a 4-1-4-1 than a 4-2-3-1 at times. Musiala was deeper at times. Other times he was more advanced. I guess for all intents and purposes, you could say it was a 4-2-3-1, although Again, at varying points, it looked like a 4 triple 2 It looked like a 4-1-4-1. Whatever the case, uh, he mixed and matched his personnel to come up with this. And I would say it had varying results. Uh, you could look at the Ligt and say that he was extremely strong and not just because of the goal. He had a very, I thought, exceptional game defensively. I thought Benjamin Pavar was really good as well. Kimmich was solid. Uh Musiala struggled in my mind and it wasn't, listen, this is tough. Uh, and one of the things I worry about with Musiala is he's obviously a natural number 10. He's an, and even though he played striker growing up, I think he has evolved into this player that is a number 10. Of course, when you have Thomas Muller, who has been effective this season, you have to find ways to get the both on the field, which ironically, Julian Nagelsmann had just figured out prior to a sacking. But either way, Tuchel comes in and he is, you know, he's talked about using Musiala as a wing. He talks about using him as a 10 and even deeper as an eight, like we saw today. So Musiala, for all of the good things he can do, he has been slumping. And for the large majority of the game, he was struggling a bit. I thought that he was not quite comfortable out there. It looked like he was having a little bit of trouble adapting to that deeper role. And at times he looked unsure of himself. He uncharacteristically lost the ball a few times when he probably shouldn't have. And uh, I think there were a lot of people that were concerned watching it. And one thing that I personally worry about with Musiala is the old Scotty Jetpacks theory, which I just made up because as a Philadelphia Phillies fan, I know that Scott Kingery was a prized prospect for the team just a few years ago. In fact, they had made him an unprecedented contract offer and brought him up to the big leagues very early and way ahead of schedule and without really having a position. So at the time, the manager, Gabe Kapler, just pushed him around to different positions, second base, shortstop, third base, outfield, basically every position in the outfield. But one thing it did to Kingery's development was never allow him to be comfortable. So he looked unsure of himself in the field, and eventually he had 
not just the worries about where he was going to play and what he needed to do for those positions in the field. It was affecting him at the plate. He began second guessing his swing. He started to take input from outside people, uh, people outside the team. He started to take a lot of input from people in the team who didn't necessarily have his best interests at heart. So while there was this great prospect who had all of this natural talent, he couldn't put it all together. And to this date, he still hasn't. And I worry a little bit about this affecting Musiala because we've seen him excel at wing. We've seen him excel as an attacking midfielder. And he's been okay when he's had to make appearances as a central midfielder, you know, playing more of an eight. But when you're moving around so much, you're battling a little bit of confidence right now. He's ba- I, I still believe he's firmly, the World Cup had some effect on him. Uh, he had trouble finishing there. And I think he's been battling himself and his confidence just a bit of late. And it has affected his game. So when a player is going through that, you want to get them comfortable any way you can. You want to have them in a comfort zone so that they are able to function best and start to build that confidence level back up. And I, I worry that if Tuchel continues to move Musiala around like some kind of Swiss Army knife, putting him in from position to position, it could have an effect on his mentality on how he's viewing the match how and how basically how he approaches each match, what his role is and what he needs to do based on his position. So it's something to worry about or not something to worry about, but something to, to keep an eye on because you have this, this great young player with so much ability. The last thing you want to do is muck the game up for him. You, you don't want to make it confusing. You want him to trust his instincts, to trust his vision and to trust his attacking skill. And I think at times now he's second guessing himself and it might be play, paying, you know, it might be playing a role in why he hasn't looked as comfortable of late. But Musiala was was far from the team's biggest issue. Leroy Sané had a terrific game, with the exception of his finishing. His finishing was terrible. Serge Gnabry, to me, was a bit of a mess. Sadio Mane can, continues to look like a piece that just doesn't fit at Bayern Munich. And again, I'll get crushed and people will say you're biased against him. I'm not biased against him. I want the guy to succeed. I want him to, to achieve something at Bayern Munich. I want him to be an important part of the team. But for the better part of the season now, when he hasn't been injured, he just looks like he doesn't fit with this group. And you can point back and say to yourself, did they really need a player like him when you had so many other wing players that knew and understood their role in this attack? and how it was supposed to function? Or did Bayern Munich make a panic move and just try and get a big name when they knew they were going to lose Robert Lewandowski? I think by now we all know what they did. And I think that we all understand that Mane, for not being a perfect fit, should be a lot better than what he has been. And and listen, I'm not going to say he's getting too old because physically he looks fine. He's just not clicking with what's going on in Munich right now. And he hasn't really clicked all season. And I think at some point you have to cut the cord on that experiment and just go with what has worked this season. And if that means putting Leroy Sané on the left side permanently, great, do it. If that means playing Sané and Kingsley Coman as the wings, great, do it. If that means using Musiala on the wings with Gnabry, fine, either way. But to me right now, if you have to look at those five players that can play wing, you know, Gnabry, Coman, Sané, Mane, and Musiala. I have Mane firmly at the last, at the bottom of that list. And when you look at the striker situation, I mean, right now, Bayern Munich really has no choice but to use him in some kind of advanced role at the top of the formation because 
Eric Maxim Chupo Moting is out. When when you're battling a back injury, I mean, it might not get better yet. It might not be better in time for the Manchester United tie. I'm sorry, Manchester City. Man, that's wishful thinking, right? Uh, but Mane uh, really is going to have to figure something out and raise his level of play. Otherwise, this Bayern Munich attack looks like it it, it really could be toothless against Pep Guardiola's side, who, I mean, I, I just have a bad feeling they're, they are going to raise their level of play in a huge way. Uh, so aside of all the lineup issues and, and aside of Musiala being a little bit uneasy with where, at least with how he's playing right now, the big positive to come out of this was you are seeing why Bayern Munich invested in Matthijs De Ligt right now. He was spectacular defensively. I thought, I mean, listen, when the team needed a big goal, he was there to supply it. I mean, that was an absolute rocket that he hit. You know, nice little pass from Jamal Musiala, nothing special, but it, it put Matthijs De Ligt in some space where he could work his way into a shot pretty easily and, and De Ligt converted. This is what Bayern Munich needs at times like this. It's not always going to be Thomas Muller or Musiala or Sané that's going to be able to bail them out and get a big goal. Uh, De Ligt was that person today. He needed to step up and he did. So when you see someone step up like that and you see a player raise his level of play to the moment, it's... I mean, it's incredibly encouraging. I am thrilled to see Delict be able to step up and do that because let's face it, if he did not, we're probably looking at a nil-nil draw here because Bayern Munich had a ton of chances, but they just could not convert. And uh, that in it, in and of itself was extremely disappointing. So after the game ends, Joshua Kimmich has a just really exuberant celebration probably a little bit too much when your team didn't really play all that well and you only won one nothing but regardless celebrate how you want to uh immediately uh michael gregorich uh and max eggestein confronted him and it started to get a little heated there we started to see some pushing and shoving we saw Kimmich get escorted off we also saw, if you were paying attention to the U.S. feed, Sven Ulreich was ready to throw down. He was in someone's face, uh, which was great to see because you know Sven has not gotten a lot of action this season. So if he was ready to throw hands, that's at least a good thing for team spirit anyway. Uh, I did like how the Bayern, uh, Bayern Munich team kind of rallied around Kimmich, came to his defense. Uh, he, of course, was escorted quickly into the locker room where uh, Vincent Grifo uh, kind of tracked him down and was was giving him some guff as Kimmich was being pushed into the uh, the under region of the stadium there to get back to the locker room. So uh, this one got heated and rightfully so. It was two very good teams going at each other for the second time in I guess four days. So yeah, uh, tempers tempers flared. Things got uh, a little intense, but it's what you like to see. If anything from this match, you can say. Bayern Munich toughed it out. I mean, there were plenty of times they could have folded. They made a lot of mistakes. They could have gotten down on themselves. They weren't finishing, but they rallied around a big goal from Delict. They kept a clean sheet. And uh, thanks to the post anyway, I mean, <laughs> that, that's a whole separate issue. Al Alfonso Davies had his own, uh, I will say, issues in this match in terms of defensive awareness and uh, losing possession, but uh, the post did bail Byron out at, at one point in the first half there because that that really could have gotten ugly. It was just before halftime, but either way, Byron shook that off. They were able to gut out a win, and now they face a juggernaut task of having to take down Man City 
in Manchester at the Etihad. So uh, it is going to be a crazy intense match. I'll tell you, I didn't like how I felt coming out of this game. I was happy to see that Byron rallied, that they toughed it out, but there's a lot of inefficiency in the attack. I think Tuchel is really just guessing at what to do at this point. And as I stated many times before, he, he is just in an, an impossible position to try and face this task against Manchester City. Uh, I think realistically, if you're a Bayern Munich fan, you have to really you know, hope they do well against Man City, but you also have to have a strong focus on the Bundesliga and making sure that, you know, no matter how things go in the Champions League, that the team is still focused on wrapping up the league crown as well, because it's no sure thing that Bayern Munich's walking off with a league title this season. So uh, I guess that's how I'll wrap it up. We will definitely have uh, some thoughts on the Manchester City showdown. Our flagship show will probably be released on Sunday. That'll include a preview of the Man City match. And we'll also, I'm sure, have some thoughts around this SC Freiburg match, what's going on with the team, Tuchel's integration with the team, and and everything else that's associated with the team. I'm sure our podcasters are really going to have a lot to say about everything going on with Bayern Munich. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get our tweet Meister Tom Adams at Tommy Adams seventy one. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. Check BavarianFootballWorks.com for all of the coverage of this game, our match awards, observations, of course, this podcast, and all of the reactions that will follow. We are going to be covering this one in depth. You'll get a, a, just a ton of stories, so keep checking throughout the day. We'll have a lot of posts drop. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the match. I hope you enjoyed this show. Drop me some comments. Let me know what you thought because I would love to know how you thought the attack worked or how you thought Alfonso Davies played, which I was not a fan of his play today. So uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.